You're listening to Don't Waste Water. Impact investor can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. We don't necessarily lead with that as a sort of organizing principle of how we invest, but it is something that we set out to do intentionally when we invest. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Twist Water podcast. Part of it is the limited competition for those opportunities, particularly sort of below a certain threshold. There's a lot of capital looking for infrastructure. No competition is not necessarily a good news. Maybe it's simply not interesting. Competition is really a function of scale more than anything. What we like to do is find those opportunities that are maybe subscale for larger investors who want core infrastructure assets, for example, but they're not going to look at an opportunity that's below 100 million, 200 million, okay. or, or even in many cases much larger. I'm your host, Antoine Valter, and in today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Henry Cordes as my guest. One of the first utilities he bought was in a community of maybe 500 homes. There was a moratorium on new building because of the multi-week boil orders and the enforcement actions going on at that wastewater treatment plant. Since investing, that community has grown by 30% through new home building. Those are the kinds of impacts that we're beginning to look at and measure. And hopefully, once we've exited investment like that, we can point to and say, here is the impact we had on the people living in these communities. Henry is principal at Science Water. We think, obviously, private capital can be a, a major solution to those challenges, but we think that there needs to be a different mindset around how we think about improving our water infrastructure in this country. Science is a research-driven investment fund that identifies uncovered, under-researched, or misunderstood water sector opportunities that are undercapitalized. I could say a lot about the preconceptions out there on the involvement of private capital in the water sector. I've already told several times the story of when a group of university professors named me the devil's right hand for explaining during a conference how private capital could help solve some of our water challenges. But this time, I'll play it slightly differently. I'll pass on the microphone to a student I met at the Columbia Water Center in New York. I think it sums it all. I've often been very quick to dismiss the role of the private sector. I've often been led to believe that the privatization of water is inherently and unequivocally harmful. It is going to limit access. It is going to make water more expensive. It's unjustifiable. But listening to the harsh realities of the water sector or water infrastructure is extremely underfunded in the United States. And one way to overcome it, like very pragmatically and feasibly, is by privatizing elements of it. And I think that was a hard pill to swallow because it's acknowledging that what I've been told in class might be wrong. But it's also accepting that there is no either or and the private sector isn't inherently pitted against the private sector. Rather, for water problems to be kind of find a resolution, this collaboration is so critical. Indeed, we shall maybe stop opposing public and private money, something Gaetan Susne already shared on that microphone, and rather focus on what each of both has to offer. That is what Henry will strive to do today, so I leave him the floor. But right before I'll do that, remember that if you like what you hear, please take this episode and share it with a colleague, a friend, or your LinkedIn network. That's the best way to support me, and I'd be grateful if you took a minute of your time to do it. Can I count on you? I'm sure I can. Let's meet on the other side. You're listening to Don't Waste Water, the podcast that helps water professionals to improve their wastewater treatment, optimize their operation costs, and keep up with the latest market trends. 
This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. As a leading supplier of piping systems made of plastics and metal, GF Piping Systems is the global expert for the safe and reliable transportation of water, chemicals, and gas. For more information, visit gfps.com. Hi, Henry. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm curious to get to understand a bit better why we are here at all. I guess that's you're very, the, That's a very big question. You're the right person to, to <laughs> tell me a bit about that. So what is it that we have to rethink in water? There's a very long answer to that probably, but I'll try to give you a, a short and condensed version of it. We're here because we, as science, science is a private equity investor in the water sector in the US, believe that We obviously recognize that there's a lot of problems with the water sector and and challenges, but we think obviously private capital can be a a major solution to those challenges. But we think that there needs to be a different mindset around how we think about improving our water infrastructure in this country. Right now, there's a lot of political, social, environmental considerations. I think we, we need to kind of take a little step back and, and say, what is it that we're trying to achieve and how can we do that with private capital? So part of this whole initiative is sort of bringing together as many different disparate stakeholders as possible through this event and try to begin to have those conversations because, as we know, in, in the U.S., 85% of the industry is publicly held utility companies. We're investing in a, primarily in the private piece of that, but we think that private capital has a role to play across the industry. Why does Science Water take that torch? Why is it your duty and your mission to do that? First and foremost, we're investors, right? And we've been investing in private equity for over 25 years. But what we saw with water is, quite frankly, an opportunity for private capital that maybe is either doesn't exist in other areas because they're already very competitive, there's a lot of capital going into them, or they're very well understood, or other reasons that mean that we think that there's a real white space of private investors in this sector who are not just sort of in because it's in fashion, but rather are committed for the long term to be invested in the space. It's quite challenging to do that, especially at scale, which is what investors like, right? Because it's the same amount of work to invest 100 million in one transaction as it is to invest 1 million in the transaction. So we think that there's there doesn't exist that private equity investor leader in the space. And we would like to play a role in that because we think, frankly, that the investment is needed, but there's also obviously a huge sustainability and impact component to it that is really everything in water, you have to come back to that. You can't invest in water without having an impact. And we've invested in a lot of other sectors, but that's not the case in the past. And going forward, we think that that's where we want to spend the next 20 years, 30 years of our careers is really building that. If I got it right, the events of today shall lead into the writing of a white paper. Who do you intend to influence with these outcomes and bring the nuggets which were shared today to a wider audience? What we're hoping to do with that is to tell people that it is possible to invest in water as an investor. It's obviously not without its challenges, but we think that there's an opportunity for a lot more private capital will be going into the the sector. We obviously want to be a leader in that, but we think that it's beneficial to everyone to have that capital coming in and let us explain to you why that's the case and how can we do that, leverage what we've learned by being an investor in the sector to help people see that there's a role to play for private investors. How is that beneficial to SenseWater if more people want to invest into that sector, want it raise devaluations and create more competition? You know, it's a $100 billion industry in the US alone. Mm-hmm. We think there's plenty of room for investors to participate. And the more 
confused people are about water, the harder it is for them to invest in the first place. If that remains the case, one, we don't solve a lot of the big problems that we have to solve. And two, it means that the opportunities for us are not as great. We think more capital coming in creates more opportunities for us, essentially. And water isn't seen as sort of some confusing niche sector, but rather part of the mainstream that everyone feels that they need to be investing in and everyone can feel that they have an opportunity to make returns in. Otherwise, without the opportunity for returns, there's no investment. Do you ever face some backlash from people who don't understand exactly what you're doing in water and you're like, okay, you're investing in water, but isn't that supposed to be like air, a common good? I'm playing the devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> We've spoken to hundreds of investors over the years and in raising capital and that is a commonly asked question for many people that's That's a view that they take because that's just sort of how it's been viewed in this country is water is a public good. Therefore, any private investment is seen skeptically. In our view, obviously that investment is needed, but the opportunity is really to invest that capital, to bring new ways of thinking, to improve the industry for all participants. And quite frankly, in this country, what you've had is a situation where people haven't properly valued water because it's been heavily subsidized by various entities that no one really knows what the water costs. Therefore, they don't value it properly. Then you have problems that because of deferred maintenance. It's very sort of challenging to change that mindset and say, this is a good that is is incredibly valuable. We should be treating it as such. We should be pricing it appropriately. And private capital has a role to play in sort of getting us to that point, I think. I mean, we've had that experience with some of our portfolio companies that once you can educate stakeholders, educate customers on what is the real value and what are the challenges that we face right now with we do nothing or the status quo is kept, they start to understand that. And I think that, that you can actually change people's views and, and show that private investment is actually needed and beneficial. And how do you educate them? Part of it is really just explaining to them what's happening in their own community. We've invested, for example, in utilities where people in the community don't even know where their utility plant is. It may be a small community, 200 people, 300 people. They don't know where their wastewater treatment plant is, mm -hmm. even if it's just around the corner behind some trees. Part of it is that. And then once you show them, actually, there's real infrastructure, there's physical equipment in the ground that needs to be maintained and invested in. And then you can show them, actually, you don't see it, but right around the corner is totally septic wastewater treatment plant. Then they start to realize, and I think it's just through engagement messaging and continuing to kind of tell the story of the state of the water infrastructure in this country that you can kind of begin to change the minds and people begin to really value the infrastructure one of the red threats from all the conversations i had so far today is that maybe the future isn't really for the centralized utility anymore and it's going much more in direction distributed up to the point that we might be seeing like point of use point of entry treatments isn't that more difficult to grab as an investor because something central there's one asset to invest in that asset. When it becomes distributed, then you have like a multitude of assets which you could be investing in, following in. For you, does it make your work more complex? I think there are opportunities to invest in both themes. There's a role for centralizing, regionalizing utility assets. There's also an opportunity for decentralized assets that make a lot of sense. And we like to invest first and foremost in companies that can facilitate that investment. One of the opportunities with decentralized infrastructure is the opportunity to actually to achieve some significant scale and economies of scale through the deployment of decentralized assets. So I would say that they both present interesting, slightly different opportunities. Science Water's investment thesis is not that common. If you look at the people investing in the water sphere, you have people investing in venture job and which go in the early stages of the companies, most of them being technology companies and more and more people try to avoid hardware and really go into the software solutions, machine learning, AI, and they're 
incredible companies in that sphere. I'm not judging at all. What attracted you in that other sphere of hardcore hardware, utilities, consolidation of utilities, and building from the grassroots? Part of it is the limited competition for those opportunities, particularly sort of below a certain threshold. There's a lot of capital looking for infrastructure. No competition is not necessarily a good news. Maybe it's simply not interesting. Competition is really a function of scale more than anything. What we like to do is find those opportunities that are maybe subscale for larger investors who want core infrastructure assets, for example, but they're not going to look at an opportunity that's below 100 million, 200 million, okay. or, or even in many cases much larger. But can we find opportunities where we can identifying really strong management teams, aggregate some of those assets and those opportunities through a platform approach that can build something that is of interest and become scalable for those larger investors. That's a lot of work, right? So there's a reason that there's less competition is that it takes a long time, patient capital and the right management team. And a lot of those things are particularly hard to find, I think, in the water industry, just given some of the fragmentation and the lack of managerial capabilities. It just comes with being a subscale business. So it's not easy. The opportunities are not everywhere, but I think if you're patient, you can find them. And that's really what we're trying to do across the portfolio is build those platforms that then larger investors with potentially lower cost capital will find attractive as more core infrastructure type of investments. Talking of this consolidation element, this morning during the keynote of Seth Siegel, he mentioned this 52,000 utilities in the US. It's funny because I had a chance to read his book, to see his conferences. So when that comes up, usually when you look at the people, they get really shocked. Like what so many, like really the word hasn't spread that much yet. And when I had the conversation with him on that microphone, he said that if we reduce it to 5,000 to 500, it might be more approachable, but probably still too much. So if we go into that consolidation of the sector, what is the role you can play as a strategic investor in that work of consolidation? We're doing that right now with one of our one of our portfolio companies, Central States Water Resources, which is acquiring small privately owned utilities in need of capital improvements to meet regulatory requirements. We right now play that role by bringing the capital, bringing the management team with the capabilities to run a scaled utility, even if it's numerous disparate small systems. And part of that is by leveraging a lot of the great technologies that are exist today. So you referenced a lot of companies in both hardware and software that really make that possible. Right now, that's the role that we're playing. That role may evolve as the opportunity set evolves. I expect it will and may become an opportunity to bring private capital to the municipal segment. And that can take a number of different forms. Right now, that can be quite a challenging thing to do as I think many of the investor-owned utilities find it's a long process, but we're hopeful that those opportunities may become more frequent and more efficient. We think it's going to evolve over time and we're sort of just getting started. And if you look into the future and into the next five, 10 years, what will tell you that you had a positive impact as Science Water? It's interesting you, you bring that up because that's obviously something we spend a lot of time on is, and one of the things we really like about water is the impact is very measurable. You can measure how much water is going in, what's in the water, how much wastewater is coming out, what's the quality of that wastewater. And then taking that information, which is fairly scientific, and you could say, okay, we removed how many tons of ammonia, for example, and that's great. But what does that actually mean for the environment? What does that mean for people living in the community? And so that's what we're really working on as the next step of quantifying our impact is how can we measure the impact on the environment from that removal of pollutants? How can we say, look at what was the community before we invested? What was the state of the community after we invested? 
tested. And that's not easy because often the data you need is sort of comparing before and after. Well, often you don't have the data before. Josiah Cox, who's the CEO of Central States Water Resources, one of our portfolio companies, mentioned one of the first utilities he bought was in a community of maybe 500 homes. There was a moratorium on new building because of the multi-week boil orders and the enforcement actions going on at that wastewater treatment plant. Since investing, that community has grown by 30% through new home building. Those are the kinds of impacts that we're beginning to look at and measure. And hopefully, once we've exited an investment like that, we can point to and say, here is the impact we had on the people living in these communities from the standpoint of health, the environment, economic growth, and start to quantify those. That's gonna be how we try to do that. So if you're heading sustainability and impact, does that mean that Science Water is an impact investor? Impact investor can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. We don't necessarily lead with that as a sort of organizing principle of how we invest, but it is something that we set out to do intentionally when we invest is look at portfolio companies that do have an impact and that we can measure however people want to define us. That's okay. What is the impact going to be of this investment opportunity? Does it meet the criteria that we have to invest and solve the big challenges. That's sort of the primary mission of our fund is solve the big challenges facing the U.S. water sector. I could keep that going for a while, but have to be cautious of your time as well. So I propose that you round it off with two rapid fire questions, if that's fine for you. Yeah. The first is, what's your favorite project you've been involved in and why? I would say it's our first investment in Central States Water Resources, which I've mentioned many times already because that's sort of what I spend much of my time on at, uh, at Science. What I think has been really exciting about that is the problems people kind of know about the problems in the abstract but when you are actually investing through a company like central states you can see them firsthand you can see literally the visual of the the wastewater treatment plant that is broken you can hear the actual stories within that small community and you can see before or after it's very clear you know that that you're actually making a difference by improving this infrastructure and just being able to invest alongside such an amazing management team, support them through their growth. A company that when we first invested, seven people, today, 55 people and growing. Being alongside them on that journey has just been incredibly exciting and continues to be, and we're very excited for where where that goes and, and the opportunity for years to come because I think it's they've done a lot but it's still sort of 1% of the available market to invest in and, and so we think there's a long runway there. And last question, what is the trend to watch out for in the water sector? The aging workforce and lack of um, workforce coming up behind the on the operations side and I think that the trend is going to be twofold. It's going to be one is applying new technologies to um, be able to do things more remotely and, and we're, we're doing that across our portfolio companies is how can we leverage digital technologies to make them simpler, easier to run, require less manpower. But I think it's also going to be a trend of seeing the water industry lead more with technology to get younger employees and a, the new workforce coming through more engaged and seeing water as somewhere that is exciting to work in as other fields. Well, Henry, it's been amazing to speak with you and I don't want to prevent you from attending your own event. <laughs> so thanks a lot and Thank talk you. to you soon. Thank you very much. This is it for another episode of the Don't Waste Water podcast. I'd like to hand out a special thanks to Science Water for enabling it. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to give it a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. I don't know if I deserve five stars, but my guest surely does. Do it now, tell it to your friends, and I'll be back very soon with the next interview.